0: Welcome to a Nutrition and Clinical Practice podcast. I am Dr. Jeanette Hasse, the editor-in-chief of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. Joining me today is the author of the paper, Integrating Patient-Centered Care and Clinical Ethics into Nutrition Practice, published in the October 2013 issue of NCP. I am pleased to introduce Denise baird Schwartz, Nutrition Support Coordinator at Providence St. Joseph Medical Center in Burbank, California, and Chair of the newly formed International Clinic Ethics Section of Aspen. Before we begin, I'd like to ask Denise if she has any disclosures on this topic that she would like to share. No, I doubt. Well, thank you, Denise, for joining me today. I think we have realized that clinical ethics and nutrition support isn't an important aspect of our practice every day, so I'd like to further explore some of the topics you discuss in your paper. First of all, before we get started, if you could, us please define what clinical ethics is. Uh, clinical ethics involves an
1: interprofessional team headed by the physician, of course, and dealing with patients, their families, and the interrelationship of all the healthcare team members involved with moral judgment, and it's about what is right and wrong based on the the person, because they come with their culture, their values, their religion, all these different aspects, and so there's no right or wrong answer for each person other than if they consider patient-centered care that's what makes the difference i think it's a patient-centered care
0: aspect that what's right for me might be wrong for the other person denise i know this has been kind of a passion for you but can you explain to us how you got interested in the topic of clinical ethics well jeanette this is my 40th year
1: in clinical practice and for the last 10 years I have been very interested in this topic and I would say my passion started a little over four years ago very strong it involves my mother and a two-week hospitalization uh, where she and I have had the conversation over the years about what would you want I was her decision-maker if she wasn't able to speak for herself and I followed her wishes And that is what I would like every individual to have that sense of following their loved one's wishes, and that person knowing that what they want for their health care in terms of life-sustaining treatments will be provided or will not be provided. And it's starting that dialogue in advance. Once the person enters the hospital, obviously it's the physician who leads the team, but all of the other healthcare care team members are part of that aspect of providing the clinical ethics. So that has driven my passion to write book chapters, articles, and everything I can on that topic.
0: I think a lot of nutrition support practitioners immediately think of withholding or withdrawing nutrition support as key ethical issues. But according to your experience and to your papers, clinical ethics related to nutrition support really goes beyond that one aspect. What are some other ways in which nutrition, specifically nutrition support and ethics, are tied together? Well, I like that you put
1: withholding, withdrawing, and that's only a small part of it. The essence to me is about providing are life-sustaining therapies based on the informed person's wishes. I have one of the figures in my chapter, and it's Optimum Patient-Centered Ethical Decision-Making for Artificial Nutrition, and the center of that is the patient, based on their wishes and documented and advanced directive, which is so important. And then the next outer circle is informed patient-surrogate healthcare decision maker. The next circle then is consistent healthcare team approach and input. And the last circle is medically appropriate treatment, which incorporates evidence-based medicine, the clinical evidence of benefits and risk burdens, and
0: institution policies and procedures for this process. What is the role that we as nutrition professionals can take in clinical ethics?
1: It's recognizing that nutrition support is a medical therapy, just like the other life-sustaining treatments. But nutrition is different than CPR and mechanical ventilation to patients. I'll give you an example. When I walk into patient's area or knock on the door first and introduce myself and say, may I come in. Here's a patient who may be on a ventilator and family members are all gathered around and they have expressions on their face to look as if they are devastated. (laughs) They're in shock. And here I start to talk about nutrition. It changes the whole atmosphere in that room. And it's a door opener. Nutrition is a door opener. And it helps start that conversation with the family in a gentle way. And I'll start to tell that we focus on patient-centered care, what the patient would want, and if the patient can't speak for themselves, we rely on the family members to provide us input on that. And I'll be talking about the nutrition therapy. And I've had family members say, well, my relative would never have wanted any of this. And I go have you told the physician? Have you told the nurse? And sometimes I will have them say, no, I have not. I go, well, this is extremely important information to tell them, and I will help move that along by informing the nurse, calling the doctor if it's appropriate, let them know, let that physician know what the patient's family has just said to me. So it's the same aspect of if. A nutrition support provider were to walk in a room and ask about food allergies, and they say, well, no, but they're allergic to penicillin. Well, if you as the health care provider, even though that might not be your area, you do not move that information along and make sure by telling the nurse and letting them know and not getting in their medical record, that's vital information on the care of that patient, just as clinical ethics is vital
0: information for nutrition support professionals to move along. I think your illustrations just show how important the nutrition support professional is in that whole team approach to taking care of the patient. I also know that Aspen does have an ethics position paper that was published in 2010, and recently the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics published their new position on ethical and legal issues in feeding and hydration. In fact, it was June of this year. What similarities and differences do you see in these two documents, Denise? Well, the ethics paper from Aspen is excellent. Dr. Baropas led the group, and it states the
1: position, at that time, of how Aspen members, collectively representing various disciplines, view the importance of documenting that so that people will know, for opinions and guidance and recommendations, you know, based on this consensus, where we are at as a society, in terms of clinical ethics. Just as the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics put together their position paper that was, as you say, just published, and the practice paper, to me, that is what goes beyond the Aspen position paper and the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics position statement. The practice paper gives clinicians the tools to actually apply these positions. An example would be NCP, Nutrition Care Process. Focusing the clinicians who deal with that on looking at quality of life goals before they start the nutrition care process, providing a sample format for institutions to develop policies and procedures on ethical decision making, many resource tools. And in the article in NCP, there's a table on resource tools that can be readily used from the Conversation Project. There's an excellent video that is out on Consider the Conversation, that Aging with Dignity, Five Wishes is a very useful tool, National Healthcare Decisions Day, Physicians Order for Life Sustaining Treatments, and the Speak Up Campaign. All of these are really great resources for healthcare clinicians and. public to become involved in. And also in the practice paper, there's quality improvement project sample, so that clinicians can use these tools to move this
0: information along. I know, Denise, that you've been very excited about the newly formed International Clinic Ethics Section of Aspen. Can you tell us a little bit about its purpose and the focus of that group? Oh, yes. And as of August
1: 5th, The Aspen Connect is up and running for ISIS. We call it International Clinical Ethics Session. And Patrick McGarry, the Chief Operating Officer of Aspen, was very instrumental in helping facilitate this so that people who are interested can go on to that Aspen Connect site and find articles that we've put on and start dialogues, blogs, all type of information. The steering committee is myself, Dr. Barocas, Georgia, and Dr. Pontius Arruda of Brazil, John Wesley from Chicago, Dr. Klieger from Argentina, and Dr. Matos from Panama. And our focus is on uh, looking at ethical issues and helping engaging the healthcare professional in incorporating clinical ethics into their practice and preventing ethical dilemmas. That's an anomaly, (laughs) but what's been happening is that we accept ethical dilemmas as the standard, and then we deal with them we need to anticipate these ethical dilemmas before they occur and that's what ISIS is all about. Another item we just came out with Aspen put forth the Aspen response to forced two feeding images in the media and that ISIS was involved in helping formulate that along with Deborah Benafron, the chief executive officer of Aspen and Ansi Malone, president of Aspen and the board of directors who gave the final approval of what should be out there. But also, through ISIS, we've got two programs that are coming up at Clinical Nutrition Week. One is going to be with discussions led by John Wesley on the Aspen response to the fourth tube beating images in the media, and the other is a session on Tuesday, January 21st, on creating a healthcare environment to present. Nutrition Support Ethical Dilemmas. And what we would like to ask our listeners of this podcast, if they would send in to Colleen Harper at the Aspen Office, Director of Membership, or myself, ethical dilemmas that they have faced in their hospital, and then we are going to choose the top two or three and incorporate that into our session at Clinical Nutrition Week 14 in uh, Savannah, Georgia. So this is how um, ISIS is getting involved and wants to really support the membership in becoming aware of this as an ongoing aspect of improving nutrition support care with clinical ethics. I know clinicians already use it, but it's just adding more to the knowledge base
0: so that we can move this information along. Before we wrap up, Denise, I I know you really have a passion for this, and I know some of our other listeners and readers do as well. So how can we tell these listeners, the nutrition support practitioners, how they can get involved in clinical ethics, not only in their practice, but their institutions as well as ASPEN? Okay. In the practice, number one, before you start to work on a patient's
1: case, work with the patient, know if that individual has an advanced care directive on the chart and know what it says, because that's part of the problem, is that we don't have those advanced care directives, and when we do, they're not readily known as to what exactly that person wants for their care. We always provide care for patients, but it's these additional therapies that that individual may or may not want. And for your listeners on this, uh, you may think advanced care directives are for just older people. Well, actually, anyone 18 years or older should be considering knowing what their wishes are. Really. (laughs) They should be, because these high-profile cases that we have had in the media are young individuals in their 20s, so it's very important to consider that early and to check for that when you work on patients. And then read articles. Do-everything concept is what you hear families say, but it's not the same for the person compared to the family, compared to what the healthcare professional is going to do with the do-everything concept. And I have a table in the uh, chapter on that and the differences between those as well. And then there's also a table on resources to use. From the institution, I would say check to see if your hospital or institution has policies and procedures that address ethical decision making. Join the bioethics committee, that would be another option. As far as Aspen, I would say join ISIS and attend the two sessions at Clinical Nutrition Week 14. Submit an
0: ethical dilemma, that would be great. These are all ways to get involved. Thanks, Denise. Before we wrap up, do you have any other issues or topics that you'd like to address? Yes. <laughs> I
1: would say that people need to recognize that these issues will impact each one of them, both personally and professionally as healthcare providers, and that clinical ethics is not a separate entity, but it is at this time. Really, it is. Not everyone considers it, it's not even just the nutrition support healthcare professional. When I started 40 years ago in clinical practice, nutrition support was really that separate entity. Aspen was wonderful in bringing together an interprofessional approach to this topic and integrating it into the healthcare system, whichever facility or process of providing health care, you worked in home or hospital or long-term care, well now clinical ethics is in that same position. It needs to be brought in and integrated, and I believe in Aspen, and I know that Aspen can integrate this into our practice, and maybe we can be leaders in the whole healthcare care system
0: of integrating this into clinical practice. I just want to thank you, Denise, for sharing your expertise and your excitement about this topic with our listeners and our readers. And I do want to invite our readers to find out more about this topic in Denise Schwartz's article in the October 2013 issue of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jeanette.